0: Hello, welcome to the DVD Bunker. It's Brian. Uh, if you're new to the show or maybe you've never tuned in before, this is a, a show where I go through my DVD collection that I've amassed over 20 years, just like wasting my money, and I try to revisit things that are uh, things I bought and maybe haven't watched a lot or maybe don't remember as well. Um, recently, though, I've had a bug in my brain to bring on some guests, uh, maybe try to get them to come up with some movies they want to talk about that are also in my collection, and uh, and take a look at those, and since uh, Matt has been a little bit busy and he's not available to come back just yet, I thought maybe we could do some one-off specials, invite some guests on, and have a little fun in the me- meantime, and then when Matt's got a, a lighter schedule himself, he can come back and join the party again. So uh, when I was thinking of people I wanted to bring on, I could not think of anybody better than my buddy, my fellow Buckeye, Ryan from The Ohio Review. Hey, man, how's it going?
1: It is going splendid, and I am so happy we are going to be talking about my personal favorite films and a, a movie I think is a masterpiece. Well, you know... This does
0: barely, I think, squeak under the line. I left the rules of the bunker to be so broad that they can be interpreted in almost any way. And I've broken them anyway with, like, recommendations. And I figured, especially with this, with me trying to get suggestions from the outside, I would open myself up to some things. This is definitely a movie that I needed to revisit because it's probably been closing in on, like, seven, ten years since I've seen 2000's
1: Best Picture winner Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. What a spectacular piece of filmmaking. And And this is specifically your number one favorite movie. It it, it, uh, is in my video where I did my top 10 personal favorites. I, after a very difficult debate because I I just have a preference for sci-fi. So for me, like 2001, a space odyssey, yo Jimbo and gladiator. When I was making my list, and there's just something special about this movie that we'll get into as to why I feel it, it is my favorite movie of all time. And it is one of the best movies of all time.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking too, you're a little bit younger than me. So like, what was your experience? Like how old were you when you first saw it? Uh, and like getting into it, like did it, was it something you watched? Like, is it one of your early like favorites or is it something you got into a little
1: bit later? So it's an interesting story. I have never, I didn't get to see it in theaters. That is, if they ever do a theater run of the of Gladiator, I will be thrilled because I've only watched it at home. My first memory of watching Gladiator, I, we were I was spending the night at a friend's house and he put in the VHS. Yes, the VHS that was put in, not the well, I you know, Was it a?
0: I can't remember. Was Gladiator long enough that it had the dual VHS tapes?
1: I. I can't remember. Ooh, Maybe. Man, I not remember
0: either. It's a because pretty cool. – You watched no, – I don't know. Did you watch the extended cut? I watched, I watched the extended the, cut. Now, it, now I know hours, it was – Two hours and 50 minutes. That is a yeah. hefty runtime.
1: That is a hefty runtime On run, that extended
0: run cut. So I, but I don't think the extended cut ever came out on VHS. I think no. it just been the theatrical cut.
1: Yeah. And it was probably he, but he short even, enough
0: to barely make it on one tape.
1: They, they probably – It probably was one tape, but they definitely forced it on there. And as a kid, what I gravitated towards it – was the opening battle between the Romans and the Germans just the the fact that Ridley Scott was able to bring that to life in such a way to where even it like years later in high school I'm taking Latin and my teacher he shows this movie it's like it's not historically accurate but this opening battle is a great demonstration well the battle was pretty accurate. Obviously, the story's not true. He's like, this is a great example of how the Romans and Germans would fight. It's just, as a kid, that's what gravitated towards me, and then I kind of forgot about it. The one viewing at his that house... Battle, that battle looks great, and it's really
0: well shot, but it's almost like in this post-Lord of the Rings world, it's like kind of quaint. It's like, oh, just a small battle. You know? That's there's, not like fine because thousand, there's not like there's 10,000 look- orcs on the, on the screen, so... No, no. It's a great looking, and like... The action is really well shot. And it's real. That's
1: what <laughs> impresses me. There's not really any effects to it. That's just great costume work, great um, set design great you know props because they had catapults and all this great thing. so it's it's amazing yeah, that Ridley they were Scott's able to bring it to life
0: timer for me he's like definitely oh. one of my top five if not maybe my favorite director of all time and i mean the man he has hits and misses but even his misses are ambitious and he, he's prolific he works he keeps putting out things and like a Ridley Scott movie, no matter how bad it is, is always going to look like, you know, like dynamite. It's going to come popping off the screen. The man just, like, shoots a beautiful film. And when he's working on a good movie and he's shooting it beautifully, I mean, the the mesh of that is is just top. I mean, that's when the man wins Oscars. That's when he walks yeah. away. He's got, I mean, how many career-defining movies does Ridley Scott have? Five or six? That's crazy. Yeah. Some people most are lucky to make two movies. Yeah, like, most make, directors don't have one. Right. Some famous directors only have two. You know what I mean? And it's like they're well-known names, but like somebody – so
1: it, I always stand for uh, for Ridley it's, Scott. It's, just, it's so interesting because you look at his filmography. It's so – this is not – I mean, I guess you could make an argument that maybe – 1492 a conquest of paradise was like him working towards it in 92 but his filmography doesn't lend himself to an epic swords and sandals film
0: yeah I mean, he, thought he had done period pieces but not on
1: this scale, not I mean, on this scale honestly and... nobody had been making
0: like he really did up the game for blockbuster filmmaking with this too like post-Titanic, because obviously Titanic is the standard bearer for when we were like, no, we're just going to spend all the money on movies, yeah. but he did make a really big sweeping, and much like Titanic, it's it feels like an epic, but it also feels like a popcorn movie like, it's, it's kind of at times, like, trashy and dirty and kind of pulpy without, but it doesn't lose its gravitas at all, you
1: know what I mean? At least not for no. me. Yeah, um, because it, it has a theme that I think resonates you know, the theme of what is greatness, you know, because mm. it's brought up throughout the movie, the greatness of Rome. You have, you know, at the beginning of the film, Russell Crowe's Maximus, he's never even been to Rome. He's fighting for a city he's never been to. So it and it's a theme of greatness within one's self. country is something that can resonate even to this day. And it's just eerie because, you know, it, Gladiator comes out in 2000 and this is like peak of we we're, we're the greatest this is right before 911 so it's like nobody's knocked us down in 10 years yeah and that's a little bit we, of the parallel we like
0: we are rome oh look how cool we are yeah. oh, we're, we're doing so good this could never possibly end <laughs> and badly
1: yeah. exactly and you know it just it's so interesting how it's true to the politics of rome while mirroring The politics that were happening in the early 2000s, you know, it's just Ridley Scott being a great director, obviously, and having a great, um, you know, writing team around it with uh, John Logan and William Nicholson, that they did a great screenplay.
0: Well, and there's also, there's a lot of stories from on the set that they, like, Russell Crowe worked on the script a lot with these guys, too, and kind of, I think there was even some butting of heads between him and some of the writers about what he thought was better, and I mean, I think, however that played out, which I imagine, uh, it it was probably Russell Crowe getting his way because he's still in the movie, and had he not, he probably wouldn't have been, Um but this is a good time. I did want to talk about the cast just a little bit. Not the, oh, the whole, yeah, you the have main, to talk the about the cast. Just the main cast. Because this is kind of like, even though Russell Crowe had done some things before this, this is really his breakout and my first big introduction to him. I was uh, graduated high school in 2000, but I didn't like... I liked movies, but I wasn't a movie guy like I am now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. So it's like I wasn't aware. He wasn't on my radar. And Gladiator comes out and, I mean, just skyrockets him. And he's kind of an unlikely, you know, he's almost like a Bruce Willis, like he's almost an everyman. You know, he see him in this movie; he's not all ripped up. He goes up against some giant dudes, but he's, you know, reasonably sized. I mean, he's in good shape, but he's he not is gigantic. The
1: epitome of a great Roman general in the sense of he may not be the most physically like gifted, amazing man, but his intelligence on the battlefield it allows him to navigate that. This is a great cast with great performances throughout the film too. And I'm a bit surprised that Russell was the only one to nab an Oscar. I I think you could argue Joaquin Phoenix's role as Commodus might've been better and probably should have warranted that best supporting actor. Yeah, I would,
0: I would agree with that. I'm not usually a huge Joaquin Phoenix guy. I mean, I think he's a good actor. I think he's very talented. I have, I, I kind of think he's a little overrated. Um, but I think this might be, this is definitely, I won't even say maybe is definitely one of his best performances. Like oh he yeah. Down. He embraces um, the sick, you know, yeah, And there's spoiled stuff in the extended cut that, that, gets, helped, that really gets at the heart of that too. Yeah, um,
1: very
0: true. Uh Richard Harris, obviously, great. He's not in it a ton, but you know, really adds that kind of like you need that old style old school gravitas. Um obviously it was the OG Dumbledore before he passed. <laughs> um and I'm a big fan, he's in my favorite Jaws knockoff, Orca. Uh he plays kind of the, the Quinn role of the crazed hunter guy. Yeah. Um so a big fan of that one. Uh, Connie Nielsen. First thing I ever remember Connie Nielsen jumping on my radar would be Devil's Advocate, and that's maybe why I always kind of think of her and Charlize Theron together. Like she's like kind of like discount Charlize Theron. She's not never her career never made it quite the same spot. Uh, although big return this last year as Hippolyta and Wonder Woman.
1: So yeah, she was yeah, in she, two movies. <laughs> yeah, she she was great. Um, I just as I'm looking through this, I'm a I I feel like I'd have to go back and rewatch the award ceremony. You know, I didn't watch it at the time I was a kid. You probably weren't sure who was going to win because as I'm looking at these awards, it's all over the chart. Like there's no clear sweeping runaway for Gladiator. It won some minor awards, but until Russell Crowe won, you see, you know, traffic, Aaron Brockovich um obviously Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon just oh that should have won more awards too uh, it, well it ended up being um 5 for Gladiator, Gladiator and 4 for Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon so oh, it was a battle bad, I guess. and it's yeah. just one of those that I trust me I had I worked with a guy he cannot stand Gladiator purely because he felt Crouching Tiger was robbed of the best picture. <laughs> he loves Crouching Tiger. So his love of Crouching Tiger makes him have a disdain for can, Gladiator. Come
0: on, people. You can love you've got enough love in your heart. Just, just <laughs> enjoy both. Enjoy both
1: yeah. of them. Yeah, but I just um I can honestly say that this is movie is part of the reason I love filmmaking, because it's it oozes excellent excellence, and that's why I picked it as my number one, because I can pinpoint to my point in life where I rewatched gladiator for the first time since I was a kid. And I was like, I want to get into movies. This is, this is amazing. I want to get into this. That's but, awesome. Yeah. It just, it impresses me. I can't, I love it to death. I, everybody, I and,
0: and you know, every movie fan has that movie that does that for them that opens them up like that. Um, so we talked a little bit about like the opening battle. And I think that's a great, it really establishes Maximus very well. Um, he's got a really good pep speech there. I don't think it's quite as good as Braveheart. You know, it's clearly what they're aping a little Braveheart there when he's getting his men amped up. But also, the one in Braveheart has a lot more build-up to it. It's like in the last, like, it's like at the end of the second act of that. Yeah. Movie. He's, for, okay. he's doing it right up front. So they're just kind of giving a, they're doing a shortcut to just kind of give
1: you an establish what kind of person they want you to think of Maximus as. So like. <laughs> The, the brave, because obviously, I guarantee, going into this film's release, people were probably comparing it to Braveheart to a degree. Oh, absolutely, 100 so, percent.
0: And I'm really, a huge Braveheart fan. In fact, like I would say, that's probably like I love Gladiator, but I probably like Braveheart a little bit more because it's just because I grew up with it a little more. You know what I mean? It came out in 95. I was a little bit younger, but I watched it like so many times by the time Gladiator had come out, I'd probably seen Braveheart like a dozen times. I own that that VHS tape, you know?
1: (laughs) So I, what I think what Ridley did was he subverted it, the big speech in front of the army. We're going to do that at the beginning. And the best moment for Russell Crowe, is that speech at the end about the idea of Rome? That it's not this great general in front of an army, it's in front of a mob that a mob of people that can be swayed by bread. The idea that is Rome, I really what won Russell Crowe his Oscar was that final speech because that's just it's a chilling speech.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a a great way to look at it and I think too like I said I think they're just doing a lot of they're kind of using that speech at the beginning as a bit of a shortcut to like give you an idea of who he is and they're like they're banking on the fact that you're gonna think of Braveheart. they want you to they're like think of this guy like that brave heroic general do anything for his men leader of men take that into this so we can get started Um, so like the whole idea here at the beginning uh, you know Marcus Aurelius is dying he wants to he wants maximus to take over his power but only really long enough to like ensure the like
1: the restoration the restoration of the republic the senate.
0: exactly and then the end game is to turn over full power to the democracy of the of the senate and and but he has to like you know he wants to clean up first, yeah. But you know, obviously, this interferes with Maximus's plan, which is he just wants to go home, be a simple farmer. You know, this is your classic. Uh, this is John one of the Wick great situation.
1: tropes. Yeah, exactly, uh, classic John Wick situation. Who like, does, the I hero doesn't want the power? In. <laughs> the hero who doesn't want the power, so he's the best person for it. That's why. That's what Marcus. A real, if he would have, you know, his greatest flaw was telling his son. Before returning to Rome, he never—if he knew how corrupt a Commodus was—he never I mean, he did should know have because told Because he him. didn't
0: trust Commodus, you know. To he—he he like he—he he knows in his own way, but he doesn't know enough to like make sure he has somebody in the room when he talks to Commodus about it. Because yeah. he's just like, well, well, uh, Maximus is off thinking, thinking it over. He calls Commodus in. And uh tells him, Hey, you know, you're not fit to rule and we're just I'm just gonna shut this whole thing down. And uh Commodus doesn't take it great nope. and he hugs him to death, which I think is a good like I like that the suffocation that kind of like I mean, it's pretty on the nose though, like oh, yeah. you know, I'm actually legitimately like suffocating you with my hug. But uh but I think it works. I think it's a good moment.
1: You uh, know that for yeah, yeah, the dynamic between Commodus and Marcus Realis, just that father you know because that's a that's a very real thing the failures of my son are on me that's a great bit of thread that stays throughout the movie as you, you know Maximus feels the pain the death of his family that he couldn't save Commodus and the extended cut you don't really see it in the theatrical cut in the extended cut you see that struggle you know that scene where he's lashing at his father's um
0: Oh, yeah, the statue, the the,
1: the bust, yeah. Yeah, the bust. You see that, and it it just, that's a great thread that they keep going throughout the film.
0: When Maximus comes back, you know, or or he gets called back, and he finds out that uh, Marcus is dead, he instantly knows something's up, and Commodus is all, you know, hey one you get one chance to pretend this is cool and not call me out for this or you know then you know we got to be enemies of course he's not going to do that because we already know that he's super honorable because that's the whole thing they've established (laughs) with everything up until this point so um uh commodus has him arrested and is going to take him out and have him executed and we get a great escape scene here i always remember this being one that jumped out. oh god
1: that line The
0: thing about Uh, the blade, the ice, the the frost makes the the blade stick. God,
1: that line, that delivery, and just, that was great. Like, seriously. I would believe that maybe uh, Mr. Crow improvised that one. I can and see that being that was, that, line, a good, sure. that, yeah, that was such a good, yeah, because that was that was a killer line.
0: And I do, th- I do like uh, in the extended cut they revisit this the idea about these soldiers who lost him is something that they kind of never br- comes back in the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. But those guys get executed. It's pretty oh, yeah. grim, and it's a pretty one of those scenes because that really like, builds Commodus's kind of uh, they really like fleshes out how evil he can be and manipulative yeah. and shit. Yeah. So he escapes and he runs. Oh, he, he he steals a horse and he's heading home. He's injured, but he's heading home to Spain. Question mark Does he yes. ride all the way to Spain? Because um, I call him a Spaniard, but they never do. They ever officially say that he does actually live in Spain or? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I had to look into this. Yes, he he makes it. Yeah, he's from Spain, which it's during the Roman era was. I'm gonna say this
0: wrong well, I mean he was definitely Spain was definitely within the Roman i
1: guess hepanola it, it it was he, Hespinona, oh. so it's like that was the term for it you know it, it by this point in Roman history right, so it may it makes sense that he makes it to Spain finds his family living there, they're desecrated. Oh, they get
0: totally aunt o, yeah. Uncle Owen and Aunt Baroud, right? Like, you find out they oh. crucified even. I always thought they were hung,
1: but they say they're crucified. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah, yeah. Cru- you know, that's part I mean, of – I know that's the Romans thing, but, oh, yes. rough. Yeah. No, I think Ridley Scott was like, oh, George Lucas can burn an aunt and uncle? Let's <laughs> crucify this. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I will crucify a small child. You take that. Take that, George Lucas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's terrible that I'm laughing about that, but ah, <laughs> oh, it's <that's> that, fine. <laughs> but no, it makes sense that he makes it to Ro, makes it to Spain, and that's where he's founded by slavers that take him to North Africa. It's a little bit more plausible than, say, his family residing in Southern France and somehow he ends up in no yeah. closer to Spain, closer to Africa. So, but
0: no, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with all that.
1: Um, so yeah, he's half dead. They
0: pick him some slavers, pick him up. We meet Diamond Hansu, who is basically kind of fulfilling that, like the friendly guy in hell, you know, you're in the yeah, worst situation, the, but there's like one friendly face. There's
1: one dude who's, yeah, he's cool. He's
0: red from Shawshank,
1: you know, he's oh, yeah. your buddy. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I've always and, liked Diamond too. I wish I would see him in more stuff. Unfortunately, his career, he's kind of like just I, uh, I hate to he's say a it, a and Shazam, right? That's yeah. the
0: next big thing that he's got Which, coming out.
1: That I'm excited for because at the very least, that's a bigger role than I think the last thing I saw him in was Guardians, as just that henchman. It's like yeah. he needs yeah, more. Right. he's yeah, more. Sure he's
0: been in stuff since then, but nothing I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, but I think one thing that impresses me is we get Oliver Reed's less great perform. You know, before he passes away. He was great in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's really As good in this. As Oh, Proximo, man. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, and he buys, uh, John Hansu and Russell Crowe, he buys
1: them from the dude from The Mummy. The guy is the little film is full dude. of little cast bits that I love because you got the dude from The Mummy who bought him, and then the Germanic guy who is like the... The big guy, yeah. The trainer dude from Beerfest, I love that. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. I love that.
0: From Beer Fest. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I like that. That guy gets a little bit more in the extended cut too. He's like got a little bit of development for his character, just about, you know, they have like one little scene where he gets a few extra lines. Yeah. I did want to talk about, I'm not super familiar with Oliver Reed's, you know, career, but I know he's a, he was a, a you know, kind of a classic guy who's in a lot of older films and, this being his last movie, I remember that being a thing when he when it came out that he had died, and this was like very early, early, early CGI face replacement. And yeah. I think when they redid the extended it's, edition, they updated a little bit because it looks pretty good. From yeah, what I can they were, tell. They got
1: his brother to help finish it. Tell finish it. So, yeah, it, it's it. yeah. It, this was before Paul Walker. He I know. So that, actually, crazy. Paul Walker Oliver redid it. Exactly. Yeah. He was great as that gruff, pissed off I'm just trying to make money to survive (laughs) Gladiator. (laughs) It's like living on the edge, like somebody who does like independent like semi pro wrestling in in a way. Yeah, like a
0: like a promoter who does wrestling shows out of like a high school gym, basically. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally the vibe. Um so we finally get our first actual gladiator match in the extended cut at the literally the 1 hour mark is when they open up the doors mm-hmm. and the guy comes out you know they come out and they're, I like the setup here where they're, they take one guy who they think is weaker and one guy who they think is strong, and they chain them together. Oh, that was so great. That's a good. That's a smart. I like that's a that's a cool one. And I like the way it ends up making getting so Russell Crowe and Jaimen Hansu get to be together because they because Russell Crowe wouldn't fight back during the training, so he's got the <laughs> yellow mark. But they end up being, of course, totally badass and whooping and killing everybody, you know. Oh
1: yeah, that was great. They and the
0: big dude I like, of course, when he frees himself from his partner by chop. The guy died. I like that he didn't kill the guy himself. He waited for the guy to die legitimately, but and then, then he chopped his hand that and just freed himself. Yeah, yeah.
1: God, that was so fantastic. I love that. And yeah. I think what Gladiator does really well is it could have fallen into the trap of we're going to overdo the Gladiator fights. It's going to be, this movie's just going to be a nothing but fighting, fighting, fighting. And Russell Crowe s- separates them where it's not too slow, like, he could have had the big fight in the beginning, and, there's really
0: and then... There's only, like, five big action sequences, like, Any... gladiator action sequences in the whole movie, and I think in the extended cut it feels like there might not be quite enough just because of the additional stuff, but I think in the theatrical cut, you're right, it's just perfect. Like, they're they're spaced out well enough, and they're each different enough, there's, like, different things going on in them to keep them interesting, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, so, no, and that, this is where I think my controversial point... I enjoy both cuts, but I, I I think I like the theatrical cut a little bit more. The stuff that's added is great, but I don't think improves the movie. And most of the time, I prefer the Ridley Scott director cut. I think Ridley Scott, as a whole, you look at his filmography, the director cut is usually superior made, to the theatrical heaven, cut. I'm having
0: a really good movie with that director's cut. People didn't give it a chance.
1: Oh, God. That is such a travesty that it was – I saw that in theaters, by the way. I, I saw actually, that theatrical cut, yeah. and I was fine with it. And then I oh, saw yeah, the I director's cut, maybe. and I'm like, oh, oh, shit. This is how you make a movie about, about the Crusades.
0: But, no, I think you're right, and I think that um, there's some stuff in here. Like, some of the stuff they add in, the scenes they add in are good, especially, like, performance-wise. You get some a lot more stuff from uh, Lucia, Lucia
1: uh-huh. and
0: um, – you get some good scenes with her and the senators kind of scheming and plotting and you learn a little bit more about that. But I think those scenes also, like you said, they kind of take away a little bit like seeing,
1: like you don't need those scenes to understand those scenes are great. Fine. But they don't. And I think the, I think they kind of dilute the revenge, the like,
0: like the whole idea of Maximus wanting to get to Commodus and that being the thing. They kind of like dilute that a little bit with the politicking, with and having be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we'll get you out," and then you, you know, you do this and you bring back the army, and, and that's I know that's in the theatrical cut too,
1: but it's like trimmed down
0: a lot. Yeah, I think the scene. No, understand with what them actually
1: understand like, kind of what I think what Ridley does really well with this is the evolution of his revenge. He wants to kill Commodus throughout the movie. But in you the first in the first gladiator fight in the Colosseum, he at when we're first introduced to it, it's a simple. He's ready to just chuck that spear at him. But Maximus makes the realization that just killing Commodus, cold blooded like that, doesn't fit the problems of Rome, and he evolves with it. And it's and I think that's a great piece on Ridley and probably Russell's part was it's there's a difference between killing someone and then killing someone with purpose
0: right well and I think you see the flip side of that coin from Commodus too where he realizes that he can't just murder Maximus because he'll just instantly turn him into a martyr so now they're at this impasse where they are both like in a situation where they want the other one dead but there's so much now kind of riding and hanging in the balance that they have to be like more careful about where how they do it and why it happens and what the
1: perception of it is so, one thing oh, I think oh. that's necessary for us to talk about, we both like Ridley Scott a lot. I think he's, he's only been nominated three times for Best Directing. In my opinion, this is the one that should have gotten him that award. Traffic is a fine film, but if you're going to give, in 2000, if you're going to give that the Best Directing Oscar to anybody over Ridley, it's only Ang Lee. I just, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I 100 percent agree. Oh, I 100% agree. I, in fact, it's just it's when you think about it, it's a little disappointing that Ridley Scott has never won a Best Directing Oscar.
0: Yeah, and exactly. I exactly plenty of noms, but well, just the three. Like it's kind of I mean three, but I think three Best Best Directing noms in a in a directing career is still very impressive. True.
1: No, it is it's just we we no, talked about we, it. He He's, got
0: nominated for The Martian too. Oh, no, you're right. It was best Director. Uh, uh, Martian got nominated
1: for Best Picture.: Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It, just, uh, it just is a bit surprising, because you know we mentioned at the beginning of this, I, we feel as like he's had six movies, like at least six movies that are like career-defining and he's never been able the other directors because that category is voted on by his peers so well, <laughs> who knows you know some of his classics are alien and blade runner and those movies were never
0: going to get nominated for sure. the oscars especially not in the late 70s early 80s no. that just wasn't going to happen no. you know so no matter how groundbreaking they were no matter how, how oh, amazing they were
1: shout out to Thelma and Louise love that movie Directed it's a by classic. Scott. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: A forgotten, and that shows. That I think and Lee's talk about a movie that really shows Ridley Scott's range. Like he can just jump into. Yeah, he made *Blade Runner* and *Alien*, but he can also jump into like a fun rom com or like a dramatic dramedy kind of like that. Yeah. And shoot, it, just like a a regular movie, no sweat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that man, he his ability to just. Granted, granted, I'll be the first to admit his last couple decisions outside of *The Martian* not been for me. They just. I know we just yeah, you know,
0: I don't need to get into it. We all know I'm an alien apologist, yep, so I'm not going to get into all it. All right, so let's, let's move let's on. Hard because I want to talk a little bit about this. this. isn't usually a politics podcast, but I have to say, I was watching Commodus, and I'm like, it's hard not to see him as a Trumpian character. Which right? is... He's like totally unprepared for to rule. He wants to rule, but he's totally unprepared. He's instantly bored. He doesn't want anything to do with the actual politics of it. He's all... It's It's uh, all showboating. Father for spending all his time learning, and he's way more interested in like putting on his big show and his big spectacle. Uh, You know,
1: like it's disturbing that this movie was made 16 years before he was elected. That it is that much of a mirror into him. It's scary. Like, if they made this today,
0: people would be making fun of it. It's too on the nose. Seriously. They'd be like, it's It's hacky because it's so obvious that they're trying to do a Trump parody here. Well, and here's, and and then since we're going to get to
1: (laughs) politics, this is the one thing that hurts me as a a lover of this movie. So many douchebags look. And bring it like, you know, I don't want to say their names, but these like alt right douchebags. They t- when they talk about their favorite movies, Gladiator comes up, and the yeah. but I mean I guess the irony is they love a movie that is mocking their yeah. hero. That's the so same I, idea of like the people who were met at Star Wars for being political.
0: Like you didn't realize that the Empire was Nazi regimes. They call them stormtroopers. Like how much more obvious can it be? <laughs>
1: yeah, I just no trust no trust me. When I was rewatching it for this occasion, I was it was freaking me out a little bit because I'm like. Does Ridley Scott have a fucking time machine? Is he is is he is he a doctor of some kind who can travel through time? Because it just it was messing with me. Because Commodus, it this movie probably if it was made today probably doesn't get nominated for best picture because Commodus is too on the nose.
0: Yeah, it's like hacky. Like I said, it would feel like a hack writing writing job. Yeah. Um, oh, so that's scary. So we're getting into where, like, the Spaniard, quote-unquote,
1: is gaining popularity. Is, legend's growing.
0: He's, right, his legend's growing. And now he's, like, we've jumped ahead. He's already taken on, like, five or six guys at a time. Now, I think that we talked about how, like, the action scenes themselves are, are paced out. But here's one thing I would say. I could see the updating fight choreography in a movie that was made like now because the way he when he takes on these like five or six big dudes they all just kind to wait their turn to get slaughtered They True. each like one steps forward they get killed now don't get me wrong it looks cool he always makes it look good yeah and this is where the famous head cut and are you not entertained yeah. and this all comes from that scene so it's obviously a very iconic but I was just thinking about how a fight choreographer who made that movie today would have him take out all five of those guys in a way that made you feel like he was fighting all of them at once. And that's the one. It's not even a complaint because it's just the way movies are made today. It's like
1: when people complain about the shark in Jaws. It's just different. It was a different time, you know? Yeah, I will say that the Are You Not Entertained, that scene is more famous. I think the best gladiator scene of the whole movie is his fight against the retired... Yeah, Tigress. God. Absolutely, Tigress is hands—probably the best fight of. I I would argue it's the best fight of the movie. It's it's a yeah. true
0: one-on-one. Here's a, little of, a little snippet of trivia that I always love I remember. Like I think I I knew it when the movie came out. I think I recognized the dude, the guy who is Tigress his name is uh, Sven Ole Thorson, and he's also the security guard in Mallrats that they're always running away from. The big dude with like the pillbox hat. Do you know who I'm talking about? You've That's amazing! The, I didn't make little... that
1: connection at
0: all! Yeah, yeah that is awesome. the same guy. So it's like, that, and that always made me laugh because he's so scary and badass. Not that he's not scary in his own way in Mallrats because he is kind of the villain, but yeah. it's kind of played for laughs, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, but in Gladiator, he's
1: legit intimidating. He's huge, you know, and I love Has him. that look where it's like, it's he's big, but he's not ripped. Like he's just a giant man. Like right. he's
0: like a brute. He's just really big. But that fight sequence is really great. Oh me. my like, god. Yeah. I just, love and I love the bits with the tigers. I appreciate how much like actual tiger footage they use and how well that's cut together. Oh, it's yeah. Like when they you know, practical animal effects are used on. You snap, know, the on one sweet. sad
1: thing about that scene is historically speaking it wouldn't have been tigers like that it would have been the asian lion that the romans wiped out right you can't because they use so many of them them so much the asian lion's not around anymore so of course ridley scott can't get asian lions (laughs) so he has not available so i i did that's that to me I, you know, I am a history major. I study history. I love history. I'm willing to forgive that because it's so epic. It's such a great use of animals. And I, uh, and it's just great. I love that scene. Um, before they get to Rome, before they actually go in for the
0: Commodus big, uh, you know, festival that he's throwing, uh, you know, uh, Russell Maximus is kind of like a little bit, uh, he doesn't necessarily, he's not as into it as like he doesn't really necessarily want to be a celebrity gladiator. You oh, know, no! It, just like, I'm killing a survivor or whatever. It only... but then we get Proximo's backstory oh. and that is what inspires him once he finds out that it could put him face to face with Commodus if he could win these games he could get a chance to be, you know and that's where the gut reaction of that revenge you know, that first level you were talking about where it's just literally about put me in front of this person
1: that kicks in for him. I, I think what one thing I love about the, just a little, one scene that I really enjoyed was their interaction. You know, Maximus is laughing. Huh, you've met Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> and then without missing a beat, Proximo, I did not, meet, I did not say I met him. I said, he touched me on the shoulder. Such a good scene. I just butchered it. But yeah, just that, and no, hundred percent that is a great moment. And I think that probably what helps this movie so much is Russell Crowe and Oliver Reed's interactions are so good that they really help you get invested into the story. Well, the way that scene plays out is just really interesting
0: because of the pers- like the way Oliver Reed perceives their power dynamic compared to like once it's put in perspective for you know, Maximus, he knows, I mean, he, this is a man who basically grew up with as like Marx's protege. So the idea that like this man that he is now a slave to, you know, so reveres a man, you know, that he barely knows that, that, that power structure is, it's just a very, it makes the scene very interesting from that perspective too. Yeah. Um, so he, then after he finds out he might get a shot at Commodus. he makes, obviously they go to, you know, they go to Rome. I love the first battle, though. We talked about tigers, and that's great, but yeah. I do like the first battle. Oh, yeah. I like that they mix it up. We talked a little bit about how every uh, fight's different, and I really like the chariot use. Also, um, excellent use of women of color archers. I like that. And the equal opportunity murders. It's like they never take it easy on those girls. Yeah. They, hey, you shot arrows at me, so I'm for sure going to murder you in the most horrific fashion possible. So that's all.
1: I it's kind of right scary there. to think about that. Ridley Scott and back then had the understanding of Rome to keep a diverse cast, whereas Ridley yeah, Scott of controlled. late maybe wouldn't have. That's what scares me about Gladiator release now. There's so many things I'm worried that he. The, it's it's just odd
0: that, yeah. Like I'm the world's biggest Sigourney Weaver fan, but she's not. You can't make her an Egyptian queen
1: and then expect people not to roll their eyes. <laughs> exactly, and that's. I mean, that's the I mean, Russell Crowe. I. I guess this is the whole thing more than anything Americans are just willing to accept that Romans just generally are white guys when in actual all actuality they're more olive skin they aren't the typical look but Russell Crowe fits that look of a Roman enough to repeat and it can you know came out in 2000 so people weren't weren't thinking about it as much but I'm just worried if Gladiator was released today Commodus would be say, I, I'm afraid communists might say fake news. I'm, I'm just, I'm scared about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I could
0: see that. I could see that. It's the end of this, uh, this battle is the, where he gives the speech uh, to where he reveals himself oh to, you know, to and that's a great, that, that's a really great, oh, moment, that's too. A great moment. I think that you talked about the one about Rome. I think this might be my favorite of his big, Speech moments where he does the whole, you know, father to a, mur- or, you know, father to oh, a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I you know, will I, have my revenge in this world or the next. I was wow. like, oh man, that's you you nailed it. We,
1: that's where he gets his Oscar. from. Now, can we talk about the In This Life or the Next? Because I swear, I feel like Ridley Scott really wanted to make a sequel after all the rumors that came out. And on rewatch, I'm looking all these lines about the next life and.
0: I a hundred percent heard a rumor about a sequel that was set to take place like more updated in the modern world. Well, would have no. seen Maximus into would have seen Maximus it would have been in their somehow in time, What's,
1: right? Somehow like oh. him fighting
0: in Vietnam or him fighting in other wars. Uh, and I swear, I I heard that Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe were actually on board for this
1: but the I'm studio just, nixed it, and no, thank, just, God. thank God. Because I like ridiculous movies as the next, but, you know, just a little bit of reading I did. The idea that Commodus and Maximus would be a battle throughout time. Oh, yeah. my.
0: You could see it being like a Cloud Atlas where, like, they kept showing up in these different time periods and having this conflict over and over. Well, oh, see, man, now, you're making, like like a now you're making me now you're making interested
1: because I like Cloud Atlas. I like Cloud Atlas, too. So it's... <laughs> So now it's well, but no, just a little bit of reading. It's like the script had Marcus being resurrected by the Roman gods. It's like, oh no, yeah. So oh we're, gonna, no. Like, we're gonna like
0: this kind of really gritty, grounded movie. I mean, we're just gonna we're just gonna go straight
1: into the gods, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's well, and it's just kind of weird because it's like, why would the Roman gods resurrect a guy to defend to to defend Christians? That's yeah, that is what I read why would the Roman gods defend Christians? Like, doesn't that not make sense? Uh, yeah. Uh, the Roman, uh, Wouldn't the uh, Roman uh,
0: gods be like, like, no, I want him to... Like, well, our descendants are all over the world now, and, I mean, eventually Rome switched over to Christianity, on a, kind of on a whim, so whatever, it's cool.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> no, I just... Glad, because you don't... The first... When you watch it without knowing about the sequel, you don't notice those lines. When you know about the idea of the Marcus versus cr- Commodus throughout time, all of those little hints scare the crap out of you. Like, Oh my God, he was really going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. I hope not. Yeah. Um, it won't hope- happen now. I mean, I think Scott is just at a weird point in his career where I don't know what the man does.
0: You know, I don't know, but I always, I was just saying this. I was I was talking to somebody else. I think, we thought it was done after Prometheus, and then we're then the Martian comes out. So we're only one he, Ridley rates. Scott could come with a hit at any time. He just needs the right script. I think that's where he gets hung up. I think that's the problem with the Alien movies. is He's been too involved I, with I, the writing. I hate to say, I, the it. I love Ridley. He's got the directing nailed, no sweat. But I think he's like he's too wrapped up in what he needs in to, his own I think idea, he needs to find a writer
1: I think he needs to find a writer who's going to keep him in check. I think I, see, think. I think he needs a writing. Partner. he had his
0: ideas and he like he couldn't balance wanting to get his stuff, which I really like. He couldn't balance it with also trying to please people and make it feel more like a quote unquote alien movie, and that's it suffered for that. Yeah. So I think if he can get somebody to help him balance his stories a little better, and then he just focuses more on the directing. Yeah. I, like I said, I think he's 100% a hundred percent a top notch director all the time, and. You know, I'm not gonna say he's. He doesn't always mess things up. I think, like I said, some of the stuff in Alien Covenant, the ideas that are underlying there are very interesting. He has great ideas. He just didn't David execute is it. Is in my, in my opinion, yeah, I don't. think I think he, he didn't execute it. it. I can see why people don't like it. I understand it.
1: Now, I will. Um, s- now, just a fun little fact about it: Gladiator was his biggest hit until The oh, Martian. Like, yeah, domestically. I mean, yeah, domestically and globally until The Martian. This was, if you adjusted the box office, it's probably the numbers. It's probably still his biggest earner, which I think just goes to show you, this is the great collaboration between Scott and a studio or that theatrical cut is the best film that could have came out of
0: it. Yeah, I agree. So after we kind of, we get through the battles and like you talked about, he has made this decision that just killing Commodus isn't enough. He needs to fulfill Marcus Aurelius' original idea and his original dream and put help put the Senate back in power. So he's going to escape and rejoin up with his army, uh, who's just been kind of like, they're still out fighting wars, but they're just kind of like being led by a no-name, and they're totally ready to come back and join their their, their general, who they love. Um but Commodus gets wind of it and he threatens to kill Lucius. And so uh, Lucia has to break the, uh, you know, tell him what's happening and they get captured. They get ambushed. Yep. Our big guy, the German guy from Beerfest, he gets killed. We lose yep. him. Uh, Maximus' faithful servant gets killed. Which, and Max, by the way, his captured. faithful
1: servant, veteran of Sons of Anarchy, one of my favorite shows.
0: Oh, absolutely! That, that was gonna be. I was gonna save him for my character corner because I always like to give a shout out uh, to a character actor who, because I, I think they are the unsung heroes of every movie. Somebody who like really gets you into the story and you don't. Who like makes the world feel real. Uh, and that actor's name is Tommy Flanagan. First thing I ever saw him in. He's in Braveheart. You know, so right off the bat, you know, he gets cred for me. Um, He's got—he's a Scottish actor. He's got that brutal scar across his face. Uh, he was in Alien versus Predator. He's in Sin City, and most recently, he was just in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So,
1: and I was so disappointed when he died because I—I you're right—he's a great character actor, and I see him, I'm like, oh, fucking awesome. Yeah, oh, that guy died. Oh,
0: Yeah, that guy. No, but I—that's I, 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 what I you love the mindset. Say, That's how you
1: know a good character actor. I love it, my favorite performance of his—you uh, know—Chibs on Sons of Anarchy. Man, have you? That's just
0: not see. That's one of those shows I always meant to get into, and then it got so many seasons deep that I was like, I'll never be able to because I, I, oh, I I'll understand. Never go seven seasons back and start from the beginning, and yeah. I just so it's like it just ended up passing me.
1: That by. was his but big I always heard good things. when I look at his thing, that's his big one because ninety episodes, he was a mainstay on the show. No other show, when I look at his filmography, no TV show was he around for more than a couple episodes. So that was his big moment. That was his big show. And I think it goes and That's a good sh- one to
0: be on because that was a uh, critically acclaimed show, a lot of great actors on it. Oh, yeah. but just- That show was so good, they're still trying to make Charlie Hunnam a thing despite the fact that nobody wants it.
1: I, uh, You know what? We'll, we're going to go off the rails for a little bit. Charlie Hunnam's a good actor when he has a good director behind him. Charlie Hunnam is the epitome of bad actor, bad director behind him. Good a- good actor, good director behind him.
0: I don't know, because like, I love Pacific Rim, but I was just literally watching Pacific Rim Uprising, which is a far inferior film. It's not nearly as good, although it's not terrible. It's a fine monster movie. But if you'd have taken Charlie Hunnam out and put John Boyega in in the first movie and had that father-son dynamic with him and Idris Elba oh, and with I Marco, understand entirely. There's
1: so much more to it. I'm and defending like, Charlie Hunnam based off of The Lost City of Z. I think that... Oh,
0: okay. I've, that, seen, I've seen that, yeah. so I can't speak to that one.
1: Yeah, see, that is the movie where you want... Because, generally speaking, you look at his track record, Charlie Hunnam struggles in theatrically released films. But oh, Lost City of Sea is that one film where it's it is a it is a good movie that is that is by a director who keeps Charlie on the straight and narrow. i I no I love Guillermo. I feel like he probably let Charlie Hunnam do whatever he wanted in Pacific Rim. And that's probably but he, why. You
0: know, but I think he likes him because he brought him back for Crimson Peak and that was not he, a good
1: No, and trust me, he just <laughs> likes Charlie. I think he, he's yeah, like, I get and he's giving. I
0: think that a lot of times that like sometimes actors are just nice guys and fun to be around and people really like them. So they like, they're just going to keep getting the, giving them chances. I bet Charlie Hunnam's one of those guys where him and Guillermo just like have a good relationship. Oh yeah, he's like
1: ah, give you another shot. Come yeah. on, buddy. <laughs> All right, so we got off track. I had to defend Charlie, but let's get back to it. <laughs> Sorry, it's very topical. Yeah, for, so one thing about Charlie Hunnam during Gladiator. One thing that's a great th- that <laughs> dynamic that they do uh, is Commodus and Lucille, yeah? Lucy Matt, his sister. Yes, Commodus, epitomes the perverted royalty of creating pure bloods. I love that Ridley was like, we gotta include this, because it's a thing where... They didn't go
0: full... I guess it would be a few years later, till the show, like, Rome really went full, like, hey, they... All they, they like exclusively like to bang each other, and obviously that's permeated into like Game of Thrones, and actually a show that owes a lot to Gladiator, and one of my personal favorites from
1: the last ten years, uh, Spartacus oh, on Starz, a phenomenal show. And I, you know what you say, Spartacus, and I think we do need to acknowledge, obviously Gladiator borrows from the classic film Spartacus, but Ridley sure. Scott transforms it beyond that. Because I feel like if we didn't mention it, somebody would bring it up like, Boo, well, do, do, do you ever see Boo? Well, hey, yeah, you Gladiator, up. go watch Spartacus. I love Spartacus. I just don't love it as much as Gladiator.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. And I'm not sure how I feel about what, like, where I would rank the Spartacus show on that because I think that's a really underrated show. Oh, I
1: love the Spartacus so... show. Yeah, we could – Brian and Ryan's. Roman TV show corner. We talk about let's Romans. We us talk about all the sword and sandal shit forever. Um, so I think,
0: like you were talking about uh, Joaquin and uh, Connie Nielsen, I think all the scenes, and I already admitted I'm not the biggest Joaquin Phoenix fan, but I think any time that... Um Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix are on screen together. It's they electric. are dynamite. It is it's so good. And then the final scene where he's got him chained up right before the battle. Oh my god. That that whole scene is so That scene well, to me well should have two gotten... great actors. Two guys really at the top of their game. Like watching this movie you can see why both these guys are still around, you know, almost yeah. twenty years later, and still like they could both still be banking yeah. on just this movie, and, and they've both gone on to have great careers beyond this.
1: Yeah, and I and and I would say that scene and just the culmination of everything he did in the movie is why I would give Joaquin Phoenix the supporting over Benicio del Toro. I just. I don't. If you're not going to oh, give an ATO for traffic, is yes, that what won? Is that yes, won that, that is what won that year. I just, if you're going to give it to Russell, I think you kind of should have. Their roles are so intertwined. They, yeah, they that's are true. They are a different side. coin. It just, I, I don't know. I, I. I, but also,
0: some of Joaquin's best stuff got cut out for the theatrical cut. Some of that his is, best you stuff know is in the yeah, extended cut. That
1: is true. I pro- In my brain, my brain probably is like, I like the theatrical cut, but in my head I include shit from the Right, You're right.
0: right. So, Well, you have character stuff that you now know that is just part of how you, what you know yeah. about this movie, so just yeah. no matter what, even if you were watching the theatrical cut and not seeing those scenes, you have it in your brain that there's this stuff about Commodus that's, you know, that informs that character for true. you, so you, you know, you have a different uh, you have a different take on it. It's
1: true. So, I just, I hope, if, if somebody's listening and is a fan of Traffic, I like Traffic I just like Gladiator more, so please don't get upset. <laughs> 'Cause I've taken two Oscars away from traffic throughout the course of this conversation. Hey, you know, it's twenty years
0: later. We can so, we can revisit.
1: Sure. So they
0: Maximus and Commodus, they have their final battle on the last day of the games. They love Commodus's white armor, you know. Oh, of course he cheats, of course he has to like puncture his lung before they get started. Because Good but what I don't understand is like they showed Commodus as a
1: competent swordsman, not that we just well, get his ass kicked. I, I think we saw him practicing and he's the son of the emperor. No one's going to. That's fair. I think like if you, if we would have seen a scene where he like, maybe, maybe if there was like an assassination attempt and he stopped an assassin, but the only scene of him we get is towards the beginning of the film. And it's like, it's just him against four of his guards who aren't going to go full go against them. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. it
0: makes sense. I mean, I knew, we know why he cheats, but yeah. still, I was like, I would have liked to have seen him put up a fight without cheating, you know, and then maybe cheat in the middle of the fight. Now, I will, uh-huh. one thing I'll
1: say about the extended cut that it does is it gives the Praetorian guard a lot more, and it shows why in that scene the guard does not give him, you know, give Commodus a sword. Right. because of the actions that are that are in the extended cut that show his darkness and shows the praetorian guard like whoa why are we backing this guy he's a-
0: right well and he was like maximus's right hand man too so he's like getting a little bit of retribution yep. you know at the end there too um i like too that like they throw hands a little bit like the oh, swords yeah. go down and they actually get to like throw down with a little bit i like that they they got dirty they got messy um so obviously you know he kills commodus And then he's having his death scene, and and it's funny because, like, he's literally standing there, like, hallucinating, uh, dying of blood loss. But he's also, like, giving decrees (laughs) to, like, how to run. He's, like, like fading in and out of consciousness. That is a great
1: editing job right there.
0: He's, like, reaching towards the door to his home and his family on the other side. And then he, like, oh, realizes that Connie Nielsen's standing there and is all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, um... I, I want you to to rule in my stead and uh, oh what huh? and the music is coming in his hand in the wheat and then what oh wait I'm back
1: to <laughs> so no that is some great, great editing on their part I love that and I think what I truly like yeah. just an explanation point is the fact that he is his his body's carried off and they just leave communists on the ground yeah fuck him. Yeah. let him let him rot in the Colosseum and I appreciate that they subvert the horror trope and it's it's Juba who's the last dude who lives. He doesn't oh, die. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it survives. Good for them. It, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh man.
0: Um, I love the, uh, I had to give a shout out to the soundtrack, you know, especially here at the end where it really swells when they kind of. Well, it, you know, it's to Hans
1: Zimmer at the beginning family. of his career, essentially, yeah.
0: too. It's so beautiful. And it brought, it flooded me with memories of how I used to have this soundtrack on a CD. And I definitely in my early twenties when I had my first apartment
1: had sex to it. So it was a beautiful moment to remember. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously he had been working for 20 years. But this one was, I think, his Zimmer's big breakout, where yeah, it's sure. like, wow, you are getting—he
0: became like one of the household names. Yeah, because this the is the that people have like, heard of.
1: Whoa, this is Han, like this is Hans Zimmer's big, just great. He didn't win the Oscar, but still, I, I love Hans Zimmer. I think he's one of the great composers working, and and it's just. I think this is the biggest release. And I think even
0: among the work he's done now, you could put his Gladiator score up against oh, yeah. some of his most popular stuff, and it would still hold up. So yeah. I think that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think he's
1: really great. Because when I look at it, just, we'll, we'll get into Hans Zimmer. His big one, like his big one was he, his work on The Lion King. Well, sure. That was where.
0: But I think he gets overshadowed by Elton John. Exactly. In the Lion
1: so King. that's why, you know, you know, somebody might point to it's the breakout. But he's overshadowed by so many other people to where it, it gladiator is his baby, and he crushes it it's a great score um let I mean he didn't win I, I you know i i i scores are one of my weak points Crouching tiger took scores, so I can't be mad about that you know i yeah,
0: yeah. It, that has a beautiful score too hundred it's that's that's uh,
1: totally legit i I have to admit something i have not watched um Crouching Tiger in a very long time to where I don't remember parts of the movie. So, I just revisited it. So I may uh, be in the last I, six months. I am very close. I think I need to rewatch it. to because I remember it being really freaking good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think it, I think too, I remembered it being a little longer and a little slower than it actually was when I actually sat down to watch it again. I think it, it's like it clips along. It's not. And, and uh, Michelle Yeoh has, and not only here, Zhang Ziyi, too. Um, really strong female performances. Like, when we, people talk about female action heroes and stuff, these those are some names that don't get bandied don't about know. enough. Yeah. I mean, Michelle Yeoh does because of her history. But I think specifically for this movie, for strong female leads with strong action leads, oh, yeah. both in the same
1: film, Crouching Tiger really deserves a nod. So Oh, yeah. I mean every everything i see from crouching tiger i'm like wow that probably is need i need to rewatch it because i remember it being beautiful and the images i see from it i'm like wow that's beautiful filmmaking it was
0: just something that they hadn't brought over to the states and yeah. it, and and like what a great representation what a great way to open the door i know so many people who got into martial arts movies myself included based off the back of enjoying crouching tiger
1: so it's one of those things like Created I the created the new, year you know. of two thousand. The year two thousand, Gladiator and Crouching Tiger. Gladiator brought back the interest in Roman culture, and then mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger made people go, "Whoa, let's get back into martial arts." Nothing wrong with that. Heck no, no Love Good year, it. good year for film. Actually, 99 2000 ninety nine and two thousand. Ninety nine and two thousand. What a time to be. What, what, I think what's great about it, a lot of variety yeah like it, there's lot, no there variety, was no genre different. that dominated that time that was that dominated to where every genre was releasing solid films to great films and it's amazing to me that i just since we're talking about it how the hell did oh brother where art thou not get nominated for best Picture? i love <laughs> we're talking about another movie i love from that year
0: yeah. No, hey, there's nothing wrong with a couple of tangents. There's a lot of good co- classics coming out that year. They, um, I, they always talk about how, you know, that color correcting that they did on Old Brother, Where Art Thou? That was like one of the oh, first times they ever a, did it for a full movie so, and yeah. how it like was revolutionized this thing they do all the time
1: now. So I have, so I, let me propose you a question because my aunt, we all know my answer. Mm-hmm. 20 years from now. So no, let's go to 2040. It's been 40 years since 2000. What movie from that year you can only pick one? What's standing the test of time? I, I would say Gladiator, but I know I'm biased, so I from uh, the year two thousand. Year two thousand. So what film? do you think stands the test of time what is a classic what is a film that we go oh forty 40 years ago like wow that still holds up it's amazing
0: that's a tough call because yeah, there, there are a, it's a strong it's a strong year and uh, i'm impartial you can say crouching tiger you can say yeah it. and it's like memento is a strong you f- candidate you I forget think. about memento memento um, falls to the waist that's how good this year yeah. was yeah, that's. I um, mm. beyond that though, I don't think. Oh man, Unbreakable came out in 2000. And talk about a movie that's still hey. relevant.
1: Um, are you um, sure? I thought Unbreakable won. <gasps> you're shit. You're right. Unbreakable did come out that year. Oh, that's a good one, man. That's yeah, that, a good it's one. Tough,
0: it's tough. But I think as far as like what would be most memorable to, to the most amount of people it's probably still Gladiator, which is saying something because there's lots of years where the movie that wins best picture is not memorable and people don't go back to it. No. So I think in and of itself, that speaks to the strength of Gladiator. It, it, it not only came out amidst strong competition that
1: year. And I will say, I think, it I think Gladiator gets the benefit of that. There is a diehard fan base of people who love Crouching Tiger, like my former coworker I told you about. So, Crouching Tiger will constantly make people bring up Gladiator, so I guess technically Gladiator will live on if Crouching Tiger lives on. That's true. It'll be
0: bound together. Because it'll be kind of like how
1: Raging Bull was robbed and should have won Best Picture in '80. Raging Bulls a – are we? What won that year? I don't even know. Ordinary people exactly <laughs> it's been oh my god it's almost been 12, it's almost been 40 years since Raging Bull came out that's crazy that's 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 gonna screw with me for the whole weekend now so
0: alright I'm gonna get ready to wrap it up yeah, last segment of the show yep Last segment of the show is always goodbye versus goodbye. If people don't know, basically what I do is, was this a goodbye, as in was this money well spent? Does it belong in my collection? Or is it goodbye, as in goodbye, Gladiator, you don't belong here? And I think it's silly to pretend like I would ever get rid of Gladiator. We already talked; spent an hour now talking about how this movie's a classic and all the reasons it holds up. And even though it can be a little, uh, you know, I think personally can be almost a little... Over, like I said, like a little simplified, a little hacky, a little uh, um, what's the word I want to look for? Pulpy, you know what I mean? But I think that's what makes it resonate with more people. Pulpy and simple can
1: work when you have great performances behind it. Right, exactly. The simplicity
0: of its way, and it's got some amazing
1: performances, and I think that all works to its benefit. So let me ask you the question. So so... we're both. Hi, let's let's elevate the question. Then is it a repurchase as technology evolves? Well,
0: I can tell you, I owned a Gladiator regular edition, and I purchased the extended cut, too. So, So if I found a Blu-ray that had both cuts on it, which this extended does... Uh, you know what? Honestly, though, I don't usually upgrade unless there's features that are warranted. So if it had literally all the same stuff, the same cuts of the movie and the same, if it was only an increase in like visual acuity and like the definition, yes. that's not really enough for me to buy the new edition so because I don't you would, i don't have high definition eyes, Ryan. I'm an old man. I understand. And I'm only ever going to be so good, so,
1: even with my glasses. <laughs> so you would. So you are saying your copy of Gladiator will serve you as long as it plays? Yeah, All I right. think so. I think that's a great and I will say I'm going to be get I have it on Blu-ray. I will be getting that Bad Boy on 4K Blu-ray cuz I nice. didn't realize I it was released like last year on 4K Blu-ray. I'm going to be buying that on Amazon next time I get paid. Oh
0: yeah. Or I was realize that you could probably that's Gladiator on 4K Blu-ray is probably the perfect thing to go on sale for like $7 oh, on Black Friday. Oh,
1: well, now now you're going to make me wait cuz that's actually <laughs> genius. Because it's full price it's old right enough, now.
0: Exactly. It's old enough that it's like, uh, you know, an those older film, So it's got kind of, it's not brand new, but even though it's a new transfer, it's one of those perfect things
1: for them to put yeah, on sale. Like so
0: just a couple more months. It's not even that long. Those before.
1: 4Ks rarely dip under $15.
0: Oh, yeah. The only 4Ks are, that
1: are under 15 are bad movies in 4K. It's the four same 50. way
0: when it, that it was when Blu-ray first came out. Yeah. You know, for a while it was like you'd be lucky to catch a Blu-ray under 15 bucks. Yeah. Well, man, hey, thanks a lot for coming back and doing my first kind of special one off. Uh, Thanks for picking Gladiator, gave me an excuse to go back and rewatch a classic. And uh,
1: do you want to throw out any plugs here at the end, man? No plugs for me personally, but I just want to say I love what uh, my buddies Joe and Ashley Davis are doing um, on Geek to, you know, their streams, Geek to Me. I like it all. I like what you're doing, brother. I like. You know, I love the bunker. I like a flyover, uh, the flyover state uh, podcast you're doing, man. You you're, you guys are doing really well with that. I like it a lot. I hope I get to throw in some thoughts someday yeah, because
0: I, I, those guys, you know, they're just they're taking baby steps. You know, oh yeah, just doing bi-weeklies. It's you know, you got a great
1: a pros. crew of people <laughs> there who are really smart guys, and you guys have a great dynamic amongst each other, which is why I really enjoy it. And then. Um, when is this going to go up? Cause,
0: uh, you know, I am not even 100% sure. Right. I'm trying to pump out my last couple uncuts of yeah. my YouTube versions, yeah. and I got a couple episodes banked, so it might be a little while. So
1: hopefully when this goes up, are the tough champion, and you've reclaimed oh, your belt, but we will see. So, <sighs> yeah. you, so you're we're, ch- we're on the road. We're on the road to recovery it right now. The road uh, yeah, You got uh, two really smart. People, I'm not gonna lie. Kim is a daunting challenge for you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And Yusuf, I love sure you. Youssef. talks a lot. <laughs> I like you, Yusuf. You're a good guy. It, to me, this is a battle of heavyweights between Kim and Brian for that shot at taking down Kim, Kimber. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. It's it'll be good to get back in the ring again. Same thing with doing the bunkers again and getting the bug to do that. It's like I'm I'm ready. I took enough time off now. I can start to maybe try and do a little bit more fresh out, those out again, days, uh, at I'm least for a little while. You know, sure. we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. We'll see how long I can keep my attention. I'm a I'm a busy man, Ryan. You know, I'm very important. I got a lot of a
1: lot of irons in the fire. It's like a cat there. with a laser pointer. It's like oh, that's true. About this thing? Oh no, nope. I care about this thing now. Yeah, I I think I might get distracted. I get a little distracted. It happens. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Uh, You can find me obviously on Twitter at herskilies. You can find Ryan at the Ohio Review. Uh, Check us out hashtag DVD Bunker. You can find old episodes of the Bunker on uh, YouTube also. If you're but if you're listening to it here and you found this stream, they're here too, and they're longer, and we use swears and say dirty jokes in them. We just don't care. Just, we can so go off. Better. We can go off
1: a little topic and talk about Charlie Hunnam. It's not man. a big deal. It's okay. it's okay. Enjoy those. Enjoy those uncut. Because if you're <laughs> listening to us, you're probably on a long drive, and don't fall asleep. <laughs> don't fall asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, wake up, wake up. All right, Ryan. Thanks for coming Thank on, you. man.
0: Bye bye.